This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Depression Podcast. Uh, check that Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes, Matt Connor, as always. Matt Name a superlative. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> superlative. I'm not feeling the super part of superlative, that's for sure. Uh, I'm also trying to be measured. How successful are you at being measured on a day like today? Horrendous. I, I only live in the moment. <laughs> you know, it's really, yeah, I mean, we can get into all that. We have a lot of Chiefs football, obviously, to talk about. I want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Um, And if you haven't already, go to our YouTube page and subscribe to the Arrowhead Addict podcast channel. We have halftime, live halftime updates. We have post-game shows going up. We've got more interviews coming this week with Byron Pringle, with Alex Smith. There's lots going on, lots going on on the podcast and that channel. Just want to say from the outset, to subscribe, even on a sad day like today. Yeah, that's a very good point. I actually did the post game with Verderam and Patrick Allen after the loss. We hopped on right as the game ended. Hearing a Chiefs, talking about a Chiefs loss with a guy with a Brooklyn accent, and Verderam's just fantastic. Just when he goes on his rants, you're, you just really get into it. It was great. I I, I loved it. I, I very much enjoyed hearing negative Chiefs talk with a Brooklyn, New York accent. It was, it was great. But before we get into all the Chiefs talk, because there is so much to unpack, so much to get into, I, I have a lot of thoughts on Chris Jones, a lot of thoughts about Byron Pringle, D-Rob, thoughts on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, first-round draft picks, Andy Reid. Before that, though, I do want to say, if you have a pube problem, go to manscaped.com, fansided. 20 is the code for free shipping and 20% off. They got a light. LED light on this bad boy. Lawnmower 4.0. They sent it to us. It is fantastic. It's it's honestly a very good product. I would not be talking about this if I didn't actually truly believe in it. Again, manscaped.com. Fansided 20 at checkout. 20% off. Free shipping. The Lawnmower 4.0. All right, Matt. I want to start in a 
more untraditional route here. Okay. I want to start with Chris Jones before we get into any other issues, because I'm not necessarily worried as far as the big picture. The Chiefs are still going to go 13-14-3, 13-4. I'm not worried. What I am a little bit worried about is Chris Jones at DN. This was the reason why I was a little nervous going into the season. You play him at DN, he's so used to just bull rushing the quarterback, right? Well, you put him here, you play a team who's very good at running, and he looks lost. They just neutralized him. They, the Ravens took the Chiefs' best defensive player out of the game. And if he was yeah. at the interior, they wouldn't be able to do that. Him playing edge, they were. So, big picture, I'm not worried. But is this, is this a microcosm of a potential bigger issue? I, I think what we're looking at is the quandary of this experiment on the front line, right? <clears throat> I mean, if you've got a guy who needs reps outside to play better outside, then they're doing the right thing. And maybe that's what they're doing. Hey, look, we got to get him used to playing outside. It only really matters toward the end of the season. If, if he can be a complete edge rusher and set the edge against the run, if he can get his instincts to come out and he's not having to, like, if he's not having to, like, think about it and then react, because by that time it's too late to catch Lamar Jackson. It's probably too late to catch Lamar anyway. But you have to have that sort of instinctual player just automatically going with it, and he's learning this new position. So there's that intellectual thought process before the instinctual process, which is the difference between winning and losing football. So in, in this instance, I think, you know, I, I guess in my head I'm wondering, okay, well, I, I guess the Chiefs are just really committed to this experiment and making it work. That said, I mean, it makes no sense to leave a guy out there like that um, in a game like this. I mean, that was the difference between winning and losing. Is I mean, if you stop Lamar one time, the game turns out differently. Um, but, you know, it was, it was like watching the Browns early on when they had their game plan and they were just working it to execution. It was like a knife through – it was a hot knife through through butter melting. And so – as good as Chris Jones is, it's going to take any player. Lamar Jackson makes makes elite players look silly. And so even a, a guy like that, he's just having to think too much out there. And uh, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's just the, this whole experiment thing it just feels weird to me because we're also not seeing the push inside from Jaron Reed and, and, and really anyone, Turk yeah. Wharton. Derek, not. I mean, I'm looking for anyone to do something along that line, and it's like, well, hell, let's give up on the contest and at least, or the, you know, the experiment. At least put Jones back inside where we know what he can do, and then we can figure out the rest later. So I'm not ready to completely give up on the Jones Edge project yet. Again, two games, one game he completely dominated and was a difference maker in the Chiefs winning against the Browns. The other one he right. was horrible and. Again, I think Chris Jones, like we said, I'm not necessarily blaming him. He's put in a very tough position. You're playing one of the most difficult, complex running teams in the NFL with the fastest quarterback in Lamar Jackson. It's going to take time. It's a learning, growing process. You just don't like seeing it when it potentially can cost you the game. But it's not all on Chris Jones. Frank Clark had one good play and then was nowhere to be seen. Jaron Reed, you know... Everyone kept saying you're supposed to be this amazing run stopper, right? Two tackles. They ran the ball how many times and he gets two tackles? That's it? The whole defensive line has been a 
it was an unmitigated disaster. I Sarin Petro of Sports Radio 810 looked up the numbers. The 20, 25% of the Chiefs' salary cap is spent on the defensive line. 25%. And this is what you get? These are the returns? Alex Okafor, yeah. who's been in the NFL for about a decade, looked like he had no idea where to be. It's just, it was frustrating. When Nick Bolton, I get we're going linebacker now, when Nick Bolton looks like the best tackler on your team and he's a second-round rookie, that's not ideal. That's, that's, that's not what you want, fun fact. And then where was Juan Thornhill? You know, does Juan Thornhill have naked pictures of spags? Why is Dan Sorensen playing 100% of the snaps? And again, Dan Sorensen made a couple nice plays, but that does not offset the litany of other miscues that he had in this game. Where's Juan Thornhill? 11 snaps. 11 snaps. I mean, Mark Andrews is burning Dan Sorensen. And I get it. A lot of safeties will get burned by Mark Andrews. But why not put your athletic safety on Mark Andrews? See what happens. I, I was just very frustrated with the whole game plan. You built your entire defensive roster around playing man defense. Then you play zone the entire time. Like, you're not putting your players in the best position to succeed. I have a lot of questions about the defensive game plan, the production, what happened in this game. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on a lot of that. I'm with you on, you know, I, I don't want to get mad at players for not being able to live up to scenarios in which they were never going to succeed. So that's Ben Neiman in a lot of instances. That's Dan Sorensen sure. in a lot of instances. And maybe that's even Chris Jones on the outside on a learning curve in these instances. So I also don't, I also don't want to overreact. I mean, I mean, you're right. Some things are on fire. I don't understand the absence of Thornhill. I don't understand why we're not trying um, like Darius uh, Harris instead of Ben Neiman uh, at times with, with some of this. I don't understand DeAndre Baker being a healthy scratch. Um, I don't even understand going with Okafor over Josh Kando, because at this point, Okafor seems like, you know, maybe he's just kind of hit the wall. I mean, the, his ceiling keeps getting lower, and so does the floor and with age. And at this point, if we're going to experiment and let guys grow, like like Jones outside, then let's do the same with Kando as a fourth-round pick. So some of those things I have some real concerns with. At the same time, we knew the front end of the schedule was going to be the gauntlet, right? Yeah. Yeah. These guys are contenders. You know what contenders do? Contenders contend. That's what they do. They put up a fight. They're going to make it hard. They're, they're going to be hard to get through. And I think most of us would have been fine if we knew that the Chiefs were going to go, let's say, 3-1 and one in the first month, right? Like before the season, if they win three of their first four, we're going to feel pretty good. If they win four of the first five, which includes the Buffalo Bills, we'll feel elated. But even three of the first four, three of the first four, we'd be fine. So that does mean we probably would have been theoretically okay with a loss to the Browns or a loss to the Ravens, what, you know, whatever. Maybe a divisional contest with the Chargers, whatever that is. It's heartbreaking because they lost it in such, you know, like horrible fashion. You know, the game was theirs. It was on the line. They were up by so many that it all fell apart. They were the Browns from a week ago. Like the script completely flipped and they were living out exactly what they did to the Browns the previous week. So 
I think there's a lot of learning here to take home. Andy Reid said that in comments after the game and today, saying we're going to learn from this. But at the same time, I also want to keep it in perspective and go, hey, look, they are playing playoff teams. Every team treats them like the Super Bowl. This is what we expected on the front end of the schedule. It's going to be hard. I 100% agree, and it's not all doom and gloom. Again, I just want to see what the trend has been and letting teams run all over you, not seeing any improvements in areas where you spent a lot of capital. Uh, The offensive line, they were fantastic in pass protection of Patrick. They were very, very good. Again, though, Clyde going for, what, 13 carries, 46 yards, not building a lot of holes for him. You know, it's not like you see the Ravens over there. They're putting fourth-string dudes back there. Devontae Freeman coming off the street and busting off a 31-yarder. It's just like Kansas City, come on. You spend all this capital over here, and the Ravens are just banged up on the offensive line, and they have four-string running backs, and they're still ripping off yards. Sometimes you just want to see some sort of growth in areas that we knew needed needed the growth. Uh, I do want to say some positives, though. They kept saying, what's going to happen when teams double-team Tyreek? Where are they going to go? McCole Hartman stepped up. Demarcus Robinson stepped up. Byron Pringle stepped up. Byron Pringle, that play, I was like, wow. I did not know that speed was in there. Two things I noticed from McCole and D-Rob. Remember when D-Rob caught that ball week one against the Browns and everyone said, just go forward. What are you doing? Go, you, you might be able to pick up the first. What were the first things McColl and D-Rob did when they caught the ball? Ran straight forward. No scuttling around. Went straight forward. I thought that was big. Honestly, the... The improvements and growth of the third, fourth, fifth wide receivers on this team, I thought was big. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, people were talking about, especially Pringle, you know, look, if you give him a chance, he has he has a real opportunity. And, you know, he, he certainly showed that. If you have a guy who has that kind of speed and can be that dangerous, like, um, you know, getting the ball in stride – we know we know McCall Hardman can do that. Tyreek certainly can do that. If the Chiefs have a third guy who can do that, it's going to be trouble. And you know we're not even talking about. I mean, that touchdown run by Travis Kelce. I mean, that that was otherworldly, wasn't it? Graceful Rhino. <laughs> can we get that to stick? I feel like Graceful Rhino is an outstanding nickname for Travis Kelce. And by the way. Did you say Travis Kels? I feel like I needed to stop you there. Did you say Travis I'm, Kels? I'm trying to respect the fact that there are multiple ways to pronounce it, and maybe, maybe I'm I'm on the inside and I have the real, <laughs> real version. I don't know. I did I did say it. I did say it purposely, hoping it would be like the right way to say it. Now that he's corrected everyone. <laughs> well, I don't know. and then I think Jason, his brother, came out and was like, "Dude, no, no one, no one said that about us." I'm going to call him Travis Kelke, and then I'll be the only one who pronounces it that way. I, well, I'm saying Graceful Unicorn, or Graceful Rhino is still there, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, hey, you're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're going to take a real short break. We'll come back. I want to talk Clyde edwards Lair and where he goes from here. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. Sterling Holmes is on the other side of this. Sterling, let's talk Clyde because I just I want to set it up 
and then I want you to take it from here. If you're Clyde Edwards Elaire, you started your career with the microscope of being a first round pick and hearing all the detractors saying, why would you ever take a first round back? Um, especially for a team that rarely has a first round pick in the first place. Then the first, then the first year really doesn't go that well when we've become like used to like a Kareem Hunt kind of breakout. And then now here comes another three point something yards per carry average to start the season. And then the fumble. Like, is, is there any chance that Clyde can pick up his reputation from here and have what everyone would say is a successful Chiefs career? I mean, or, or do you feel like he's – yeah, what's your take on all that? Uh, by detractors, I know you mean me, uh, but I yes. I mean you. I mean you. <laughs> no, he can still have a very successful career. I, again, he's very early into his young NFL career. So, no, the book is not written on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. My main thing, and again, it's obviously a sunk cost now, so I understand, but drafting a running back in the first round, to me, I can never get behind. I can't do it. Paying running backs an obscene amount of money, I can't get behind. Look at Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard is better than Zeke Elliott, right? Chris McCaffrey, first year to sign in a massive contract, what happens? Gets hurt. Saquon Barkley, same thing. Remember the Chargers when Melvin Gordon was all that? Uh, yeah, Austin Eckler came in, bumped him out. It just, it's like that Arrested Development skit when it, it was like, has it ever worked for any of these guys? No, and they always delude themselves into <laughs> thinking it's going to work. But it might work for us. And, and again, this is nothing necessarily against Clyde himself, and I do think he's going to be a fine running back, but a first-round tender on him is asinine. First off, Kansas City doesn't use him and, and put him in the best succession to succeed because, first off, his best trait is pass catching. Zero. Zero catches last game. No targets. I, Zero targets. I, I mean, seriously? Like, that's not putting Clyde in the best spot to succeed. He, he is. That was what made the first round pick palatable was he was supposed to be so good in the pass game. Supposed to be a la Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Austin Eckler. But no, none of that. We haven't seen it. And so the book's still out. You revamp your offensive line. You revamp it. And then you go for 3.5 yards per carry. Again, I can't put this all on Clyde because I've been, I got to stay true to myself. I say offensive line is typically the best indicator of how the, the run game is going to play out, right? So I can't be fair to put it all on Clyde. But I will say is there were some holes. He didn't get through them. I don't know if the acceleration's not fast. I don't know if he just goes down uh, first time he gets touched. But the box is not stacked. It's not like you're back there with who pick Andy Dalton's your quarterback. It's Patrick Mahomes. They're playing too deep. They're doubling Tyreek. What? This should yeah. be easy to gain five yards of carry, right? You like yeah. example. The Chiefs know the Ravens are going to run it, and they still went for six and a half yards per carry. Now, if that was the case, and they had eight dudes in the box against Clyde every single time. I'd say, yeah, three point six, three point five. Sure, I I guess I could understand it, but it's not. I, I'm just very frustrated with the lack of success with the run game as a whole. I, I I'm. I'm confused on his lack of usage in the pass game. I want to see more Jarek McKinnon. And I, I thought this was a pretty interesting question is if Clyde went down, 
Would the Chiefs be okay? Would their win total change at all if Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon were, were now thrust into that role? I said the win total would be the exact same. And that's yeah, why exactly. you don't use a first-round draft pick on a running back. Again, sunk cost. I want the best for Clyde. The book's still out. I'm not saying he's terrible. I think he's a pretty solid NFL player, but I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I, I think the best is potentially yet to come, but here's where I'm worried. I hope so. I'm, wor- <laughs> I'm worried about the mental side here, right? I'm worried about what it's like for a young player to know you gave the game away. You know you get, and you know other people will try to will try to say, "Hey, it was just one play." There were many plays. There are people who will, you know, like people will kind of help him get up off the mat, so to speak. But the reality is, he's going to live with this for a week in his head, knowing that the Chiefs could be undefeated, still could could have had a big win over a division rival. Now the Ravens are kind of supercharged in their own confidence, et cetera. Um, and it's not it's, – this isn't the first time he's been kicked, so to speak, by Chiefs, by, by Chiefs Kingdom when he's down. So I wonder, you know, a big part of this game is the mental side. It's the ability to move on past mistakes. We've seen it take out quarterbacks with the best raw talent who just couldn't put it together at the pro level – it's got to be true somewhat at the running back position. If he's thinking too much, and again, not instinctual, I'm just worried about what the mental side of this is going to mean, and I'm hopeful that the Chiefs' immediate community around him, fans included, but especially coaches, players, support staff, can really help him move on and sort of gain that, like channel this energy in a right way to put a chip on his shoulder to show what he can do versus to sink under the weight of all of these like expectations that have not yet been met. Sure, and I 100% agree with you. They're not completely fair to blame all this on Clyde, and I'm with you. Uh, this was the one thing you can point to. It's the same thing with the whole D Ford offside, right? That's the right. one. So many other opportunities of the game, but that was the one final deciding factor you can point to and say, you know what, well, that was it. You know, that, that was it. Kind of the same thing here. There's a lot of other... If the defense doesn't get absolutely torched the entire game, right? Maybe if Patrick doesn't throw an interception, which again, that's a whole other story because I think it's unfair to expect Patrick Mahomes to be legitimately perfect every single time he goes out there. But there are obviously other things you can point to to say, you know what, Clyde, this wasn't your fault. And I think the Chiefs, uh, especially players, will, will do this because they've all been there. Every single player, if you've been in the NFL or you've played football long enough, you've been the guy who's made a mistake that's probably cost your team, right? It's happened. So... Clyde will pick himself up. I don't think we're going to see a LaShawn McCoy situation where we're, he's in the Andy Reid doghouse for a long time. I expect the first play of the game uh, against the Chargers probably going to be a run play to, to, to Clyde, right? I think we can probably yeah. – that, that seems like it's going to happen. But we do need to see some accountability because in that situation, the only thing that could have possibly hurt you was a fumble. Not having two hands on the ball. It wasn't a weird – Play where you know a dude's helmet hits the ball and it pops out, right? You gotta you gotta wrap up in that situation. It was just a, it was weird. It's like he didn't know the situational awareness of what was going on, and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like the play call. I'll be the first to admit, I, I, I my opinion, 
You have the best player, best quarterback in the entire entire world. Don't take the ball out of his hands. What did John Harbaugh do on that fourth and one? Hey, Lamar, you want to go for it? Lamar said yes. In that situation, give the ball to, to Patrick. Let him do what he does best. He is the best player in the NFL. I don't want the game decided by Clyde. I want it decided by Patrick. I don't want to get too conservative in that situation. I understand. You want to run the clock out. You want to make the Ravens use that timeout. But you're not the Ravens. You have not proven you can run the ball at all. If you're going to do this, which, by the way, it would have been a two-yard loss anyways, freaking kneel it. I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm overreacting. This is, being, I'm, this is a hyperbole. Don't actually kneel in that situation. But do something else. Get him in space. Swing pass. <laughs> Play to Travis Kelsey, who's been unconscious the entire game. Been amazing. Yeah. Just so many other ways to to get the ball to your playmakers in space besides doing the one thing you've tried 13 times and been unsuccessful at. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 till I'm I guess I'm with you on that. I I understand the other side though. You know, like we brought in Maulers. The line now has Maulers. You have Trey Smith, you have Orlando Brown Jr., you've got Joe Tooney. I mean, you've got guys who bring their lunch pail along with, like, the biggest frames we've had on that line in a long time. You should be able to grind this out. You should, you know, you invested a first-round pick in a running back, and now you've got the Giants on the line. You should be able to, like, all right, hey, let's just play it safe. Let's keep it on the ground. Let's earn a few more yards, and let's set up Harrison Butker fine. That should be as easy as one, two, three. It should be as easy as saying it for these guys. And it wasn't, and it wasn't, and it cost them the game. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying about the best player, keeping his hands, all that kind of thing. I also see the other side where, hey, we got these guys for exactly this kind of moment or along the goal line in the end zone, and it didn't work out this time. So, you know, hey, mistakes happen. I get it. I just hate that they happen to a guy who just has continually heard you're not living up to the banner that's been placed over you. No, I agree. There's been a lot of unfair expectations. It's not his fault he was drafted in the first round, right? Right. right. It's not his fault he was drafted in the first round. Just how he said in the first segment, it's not necessarily Dan Sorensen's fault. He's on the field 100% of the time going up against Mark Andrews. That's, that's some coaching. I mean, he was brought in to be a third safety. He's still in this roster to be a third safety, and they're asking him to be a bona fide 100% play type of guy that's not him so I am with you it's not all on Clyde but it still just is a very frustrating situation as far as man I again I don't want I don't like being a prisoner of the moment because it it feels like I'm being so negative and so uh, like an angry old man yells at cloud and then we're going to (laughs) end up seeing the Chiefs win the Super Bowl you know and it's gonna we're gonna it's gonna be a blip on the radar right but I just want to see something shored up because I don't want this minor, minute week two to turn into a issue in week 15, 16, and in the playoffs. I do want to say something kind of funny. Ravens fans and the Ravens themselves are acting like they just won the Super Bowl. This is week two. We're seeing Lamar yeah. Jackson backflip into the end zone. We're seeing a fan get a tattoo of the score on his thigh. Dude, it's week two. Dude. I get it. It doesn't affect me. I understand this, but I'm still just like, what? This seems a I, little 
bit of a stretch. If you if you consider yourself a, a you know Super Bowl contender or one of the best teams in the AFC, that doesn't feel like you have a lot of confidence. I, I don't know. I, it's just weird to me that they're acting like this is it's like the Raiders last year when they took their victory lap around Arrowhead. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I you know I think we lose sight of just what it means to beat a team like the Chiefs because we root for the Chiefs. So it's it's like uh you know it it uh, like like we are the death star. So we don't know <laughs> what it's like to go up against the death star, right? And and I think last year I made fun of the Raiders for their victory lap. But this year I mean I mean the tattoo thing was really funny and if you haven't seen it we even have an article about it up on Arrowhead Addict just to, you know, showcase this guy getting a tattoo the final score, but uh, here's, but I just watched the locker room scene after the game. Sterling, have you seen this? I have not. Okay, so John Harbaugh, in so many words, he's he's with his guys in the locker room, and it's pretty long. It's like two minutes of of footage from the locker room, and Harbaugh is ecstatic and and says this isn't verbatim, but he says something along the lines of, "Fellas, this is the biggest win we've had here." In a, in a very very long time, or maybe ever. I mean, it was it was like, it was like even a coach as accomplished and as stable and consistent as a John Harbaugh was beside himself for the level of effort. Um, you know, the Ravens heard going into last week that they were going to be zero and two. I mean, it was almost like they shouldn't even play the game with all the injuries they had, with the with the way the Chiefs had owned them, with the momentum that the Chiefs themselves had. And, you know, then they were able – then the game was so dramatic. I mean, that was the best game I've watched since the Rams-Chiefs game, you know, in primetime, you know, from a couple years ago in terms of the ping-pong back and forth. So, uh, like, they were ecstatic. Lamar was ecstatic. The whole team was ecstatic. And so there was this sense of, oh, you know, instead of, like, being down on a team for acting like they just won the Super Bowl, maybe this is what this is like, and maybe I would feel that way too – if I wasn't rooting for the Death Star, and and then I realized, gosh, this is what every team is trying to do every week. Like it's like it's the game that they're going to remember forever and tell their kids. Like every single player. Um, and so the Ravens pulled it off, man. So it shows you just like Andy Reid says. Look, it's difficult to win week to week in the NFL. And I think I'm getting a better understanding and appreciation of that. Yeah. No, and and I get it because for Lamar Jackson especially, this was the monkey finally getting off your back, right? Yeah. Everyone kept saying Lamar can't do it, he can't do this. And I don't have an issue with him flipping into the end zone, just how I don't have an issue when Tyreek Hill blows by a dude, throws up the deuces, the peace sign. NFL and taunting was under a lot of scrutiny this past weekend. It was brutal. I don't think the refs know what taunting is. I don't think they've been told exactly what is going on. So when folks were yelling at Lamar, you know, maybe he should get a penalty. I, no, I don't I don't want that. I, I I want the players to have fun. I want I don't want the no fun league, right? You watch football to also be entertained. The the players are not robots. They're human beings. Tell me you hit a good shot in golf or you do something against one of your friends and you don't just trash talk them, right? This is on the biggest stage with millions of dollars on the lines, adrenaline pumping through your veins. I have no issue with guys getting hyped. So, 
you know what? I'm with you, Matt. Although I would not get a tattoo, couldn't do it. I I was kind of hoping we could make a secret pact after the show um, and just not go public with it. But I guess you're out, huh? What what tattoo are we getting then? What what do you get? Uh, I could be swayed. Let's get the final. I want the final score of the Chargers game, no matter what happens. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to talk one more thing. Uh, can we talk Patrick Mahomes for a second? Of course we can, dude. We're talking Chiefs football. Of course okay, we can I want talk, to talk Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Because here's the thing. No one is talking about Patrick Mahomes, and everyone should be talking about Patrick Mahomes. I, I, uh, I saw a couple people today say, hey, if I was voting for MVP today, which is silly, by the way, but they were saying number one would be like Derek Carr, Tom Brady was up there, you know, a couple of the people like, you know, no one's talking about Mahomes. And so, but I'm looking at Mahomes' stats and it's two games, small sample size. I get it. But Patrick Mahomes is playing on a level he's never played before. And yet Patrick Mahomes' other seasons are on a level that no one's ever seen before. But like, like, let me just say this. Mahomes is completing his, like 76% of his passes. And his career best is 66%. So that's, that's 10% more than normal. Last year, he led the NFL with 316 yards per game. He's averaging 26 yard, or 24 more yards than that. Like he's averaging 340 this year. He's averaging 10, this is crazy, 10.75 net yards per attempt. Over a first down <laughs> per an attempt. He's never even done above nine before, but now he's almost into 11. In terms of those metrics, that's insane. Patrick is throwing more accurately and deeper than ever before. He's on pace. If he only plays 16 games and sits out the 17th, he's going to be at 48 touchdowns against only six interceptions. I mean, this is a guy who is, He's taken his game to another level, and the line in front of him is only going to get better. The Chiefs are only going to acquire probably some more offensive help at the deadline if they so choose. Uh, like, like Mahomes has cranked up his game and no one is noticing, and I'm just thinking if the NFL's best overall player can improve his game at this level, like, like we all should be talking about it, and we're not, and I just needed to talk about it. No, I love that you brought that up. I think the offensive line has been a huge help for the pass block. I mean, again, they haven't been great, you know, run game, run blocking, but pass blocking has been a noticeable improvement, especially in the interior. Patrick has had a lot of time, been under duress much fewer uh, times. Giving Patrick time is a death sentence. He'll just pick you apart, and that's what he's done. Like you said, he's completing all these passes. Also, 10.75 yards, was it 10.75 yards per uh, attempt? That is yes. asinine. Uh, again, yeah. why, why run the ball when, you, when you're doing that? But it's literally <laughs> unbelievable what Patrick Mahomes is doing. Uh, it's incredible scene because every time you think there's no way he can get better, he somehow gets better. It's been impressive to watch. Um you literally have to just nitpick. Like, that interception you threw, horrible, right? Bad interception. But how many times have we seen him in a very similar scenario pull something out of his ass? Like, 
it's crazy. You you live with that. Thirty, yeah. what, twenty-five out of twenty-six times, you're going. Oh my gosh, I have never seen anything like this before. And then he does that, and you're like, all right, you live with that. He was incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. You watch Chiefs games, right? And then you watch Mahomes and what he does, and then you watch, say, the Jets, or you watch basically any other team outside of maybe a couple, and you go. This is what you guys have to watch on Sundays? This is horrible. <laughs> I would hate watching this. This is just depressing. You hope you win like 17 to 13? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is something. And I'm just so – every week I feel like I tweet the same thing during the game. Where I just like – I post a weekly reminder. Hey, don't forget, just so we all know, we're all watching Hall of Fame talents in their prime. Let's just never forget that. I just want to never lose sight of that. Hall of Fame talents in their prime. Final thoughts from Matt Connor. My final thought is Graceful Rhino should be Travis Kelsey's nickname. If you guys like this, thank you guys so much for listening and leave us a review um, wherever you listen to podcasts. We would really, really appreciate that. For Matt Connor, I am Sterling Holmes. Check out Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen. They'll be dropping more Chiefs podcasts this week. Go to airheadattic.com to get all of your Chiefs news. We are out. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.